0: Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Kreisman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show, and I figured I'd do a little bit of a fun one today and chat through a a little bit of a deeper conversation on something that I started that I really didn't think was going to (laughs) have the kind of pushback that it did, but whatever, that I published on uh, milehighsports.com earlier this week sort of comparing but not really and and i'll get back to that the 2007 colorado rockies and the 2023 denver nuggets right and so uh, i just wanted to, to talk a little bit about that and how kind of funny and interesting i thought that that Uh, some of the parallels were. uh, Very fortunately for my irrational brain, the parallels were broken enough for me because Miami ended up winning uh, the series. So it wasn't a Boston team that came all the way from behind. And that really was enough, right? I want to say very briefly that like I said, I thought it was funny that there were so many people who thought I was in any way making an earnest comparison between those two teams. Uh, first of all, that's difficult enough to do across sports anyway, right? There's enough differences between baseball and basketball, the regular seasons, the postseasons, seasons, the, the different kind of biases and advantages and all the different things that go in there, right? Second of all, and I said this in the piece, which of course, nobody who was actually mad at me reddit that's very very common but uh, i have i'm of course no basketball expert right i have no business trying to offer full-on analysis of the denver nuggets we have people who do that you know check out ryan blackburn and and all the and swipa and the the guys at mile high sports are doing a fantastic job covering the denver nuggets they don't need me to weigh in on right we've got all kinds of content going up right now that's that right matchups and this, that, or the other, the kind of stuff that I do with the baseball team. But I'm not called upon to do that. I had an irrational fear when I noticed a certain number of parallels and I thought it would be funny to write about. Uh, Unfortunately, there were a number of people who thought that I was making some sort of conclusion, like therefore the Denver Nuggets are definitely going to lose because of like magical schedule mumbo jumbo, right? Uh, But unfortunately, one of the things that came out of that was, and and I suppose I should have seen this coming. I almost always do, but on this particular one, I thought I was being so transparently ridiculous that there wouldn't even be need to have this conversation, right? I, I didn't do. I think the only ways in which I actually compared uh, the the two teams themselves, you know, because most of it was about like the 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 long delay right? You win your side and then there's a long delay. The fact that it's a Boston team forcing the long delay, right? These kinds of weird, totally coincidental things. I think the only thing that I kind of mentioned in there that I think drove people maybe to think I was making some sort of legitimate comparison was noting that both teams, the 2007 Rockies and the 2023 Denver Nuggets, have the best player in the world on their team, but neither one of them won MVP, right? Now, the big difference is, Nikola Jokic won the MVP the last two years and is, but here's what's kind of wild. I was about to say, and is rightly considered by almost everybody to be one of, if not the best players in the game, but that does kind of depend on who you talk to. There, there is a weird, unfortunate underrating and debate about him still even with the two MVPs but yes of course not everything's going to be exactly the same my goodness that's not how silly funny comparisons work and but yes Matt Holiday was a great player and continued to be a great player and should have been MVP in 2007 and wasn't because people who vote on those things, largely didn't watch him play. I really do think there are, are a lot of parallels there. Even if ultimately Jokic goes down as the greatest Denver Nugget of all time, maybe he already is, and, and one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Though I think Matt Holiday is closer to being a Hall of Famer than, than people realize. I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer, actually. But still, okay, it's not going to be a perfect comparison. There's no such thing, and that wasn't really the point. But I do think that that may have been the one thing that made people think that Ah, You you couldn't possibly. But unfortunately, like I I was saying, that was a long aside inside of this other. Unfortunately, is that some people seem to have taken this as another opportunity to just trash the Rockies and that particular team. And I got to say, it's a little bit frustrating to see uh, a group of people. Playing the don't disrespect us, don't discount us, don't diminish us when you haven't watched us play all year or the last several years. Don't discount what our guys have earned and then turn around and do that exact same thing to the entire Colorado Rockies history, and to the best team in Colorado Rockies history, especially when I know that it comes from a place of ignorance, because on this particular matter, I am incredibly well-educated. There's a lot of things in the world I don't know. But I've researched Rockies history quite a bit. I hope you all are enjoying the videos on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed to Mile High Sports there. And I lived through that season. I watched every single baseball game that season, and I've got all the statistics available to me, and I study them regularly. The fact of the matter is that the 2007 Colorado Rockies were, in every measurable ways, one of the best teams in baseball, absolutely belonged in the postseason, and absolutely earned their way to the World Series. The only thing that's unusual about any of it, is the fact that their best series of games, 14 out of 15 wins at the end of the season, came at the end of the season. There are other such stretches for lots of teams, including the 2009 Colorado Rockies, who also matched their uh, longest win streak ever, which is 11 games in a row, right? We've seen the Tampa Bay Rays at the beginning of this year, right? The Oakland A's uh, during their stretch, where they won 20 in a row. These things happen. They happen to good teams, by the way. That's another thing that, that I was having this conversation with somebody on Twitter, and they were saying they were a mediocre team outside of winning, you know, fourteen of fifteen or or, 20, or 21 of twenty two games. Mediocre teams don't go on historic runs. So he said, outside of an historic run, they're a mediocre team. But lots of teams, if you take away the best stre- the best month of their season, right, the best sixteen game stretch of any given team that's won their division or, or made the postseason, a lot of times that will make the difference for them. The only thing that was particularly strange about this one was that it came at the end of the year and for a team that people weren't expecting. And because of those two factors, it's considered to be a fluke. But it simply is not. It it simply was not. That ignores any number of factors. So I know I'm preaching the choir and a lot of this stuff here, but it's been a while since I've made the argument. So I wanted to go through all the things so that you all have all of these tools at your disposal as well. The first couple of things that need to be remembered. First of all, the 2007 Colorado Rockies were incredibly unlucky before September and October. That's something that a lot of people don't realize. They got off to a terrible start. In fact, they had essentially the same start to the season that the 2023 Rockies have had through April and May. Their records are very, very close. Depending on when you're looking at them, they were exactly the same. Right? They got off to a terrible start. They had a lot of bad luck losses early on. And then a lot of riding of that ship came when they brought a lot of guys up from the minor leagues who didn't just turn out to be good players that year. Troy Tulowitzki and Ubaldo Jimenez in particular turned out to be very good players for quite a while, right? So there was a reason why the Rockies got better in the second half. It was directly related to an injection of talent, for one. And secondly... To only talk about the good luck that they experienced in those final two months. And there's always good luck involved. That's another thing that has to be remembered. Any team that wins their division, wins the World Series, any of that stuff, in baseball, there's always luck involved. Always, always, always. So for the Rockies, were they particularly more lucky than any other good team that wins 14 out of 15 games? No, they were not. And the reason they were able to win fourteen out of fifteen games, and the reason they were able to win twenty-one out of twenty-two games, which, by the way, is still a fraction of a hundred and sixty-two game long season, where they still had to maintain enough of a pace that a twenty-game set was enough for them to make the difference, right? Why? Well, because they set a major league franchise or a major league record for uh, fielding percentage, right? They were the most sure-handed defensive team of all time. They had an incredible pitching staff where all five of their starters were above, most of them well above, uh, the league average. In fact, they had a a sixth one in Aaron Cook, who, again, this is another thing that, that, talking about the Colorado Rockies being very unlucky in 2007, they're... At worst, third best pitcher in franchise history and the most stalwart and consistently above average pitcher in Rockies history is Aaron Cook, and he missed the vast majority of the 2007 with blood clot issues, including not being able to play in the postseason until the very final game of the World Series. So when you say that team got lucky, they lost their best starting pitcher and had to replace him with a rookie in Ubaldo Jimenez. That's not lucky. Okay, so uh, again, there, there are any number of things you can go through and look at that happened before September that could have or should have derailed that team. That team was able to sweep the New York Yankees. I went to all three of those games here in Denver, Colorado that year. They had the MVP. They had the real rookie of the year. They had a future Hall of Famer who was still playing at an incredible level in Todd Helton. At every position, they had a player who was a plus player. Uh, You know, you can go across the board. Brad Hopp was an all-star during this run. Right, Matt Holiday, Obviously, we've already covered in center field. They had a trio of guys who were all in the some of the top defenders the team has ever had. Some of the top athletes, base runners like Willie Tavares, Corey Sullivan, and Ryan Spielborgs. None of those guys were massive hitters in terms of like power. Right, but all uh, there was obviously the big Spilly Slam that came years later. But those guys were a tremendous defensive trio in center field, and maybe like the worst position players on the team in terms of wins above replacement if you look at it at third base garrett atkins a third baseman who didn't make any defensive mistakes he wasn't the defender that guys like mcmahon and Arenado are but he made no mistakes and oh yeah he led the national league in rbi during a four or five year stretch there the shortstop was troy Tulowitzki. Moving on, Kazuo Matsui at second base. I believe he made four or six. It's one of those two. He he, Single-digit errors on the season. Uh, Also an incredible contact hitter from both sides of the plate. And he hit a grand slam in the post. Right, Kaz Matsui was a great player all year for that team. Did I mention the Hall of Famer at first? I guess you could argue that maybe your Vittori Alba was a slightly below... League average catcher at the time. Maybe I'd have to go back and, and look at the numbers. But even he is like again, at worst, the second best catcher in Rockies history, right? And then, now let me tell you this: if you look at the advanced metrics, the position players, the offense was actually the weakest part of that team. With those names I just rattled off for you: Holiday Hop, Atkins, Helton, Tulo, right? They're starting pitching was incredible and their bullpen might have been even better especially after they made a switch halfway through the year where brian fuentes brian fuentes had been unhittable and went some point he, he had like an historic i think he set the record for Rockies uh, uh consecutive innings not getting scored upon he got into the 30s right and then he blew like four or five saves in a row i'm gonna write an article and go find all this information specifically so if you want the actual stats i'll 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 redo this i've just decided it's worth it it's been a long time i wrote something about this for purple row years ago and i went and found it and it could have been better it was it was very passionate piece but i could have done a little bit better with the statistics so i'll go back and find all of this stuff right But anyway, as a part of a a, a run of really bad luck that the Rockies had right before this historic run started, Brian Fuentes, who had been a several-time All-Star, is easily the best reliever in Rockies history, blew a bunch of saves in a row and really set them back. And in that, they changed closers. They handed it over to Manny Corpus, who'd been having a fantastic year and somehow got even better once he became the closer. What was really remarkable was that Fuentes was able to slide into the setup role and get it back. And from everything I've heard, this is one of the great stories of Rocktober is that Fuentes was so cool about it, was so positive about it. Like that could have been something that derailed everything before it started, right? A guy's ego saying, but I'm supposed to be the man. You're going to let the the rookie take over my job. And they let him run it. And from that point on, once they made that switch, the Rockies essentially stopped blowing games. And that bullpen was lights. Out, But they had been for most of the year. They just had to make this one switch so that now it was set up that they just didn't. If they got into the seventh inning with a lead, the 2007 Rockies just won. Uh, And it it was remarkable, right? So there are so many things you can go back and look at and say, why did this happen? Where some people throw up their hands and go, luck, I guess it was just uh, an historic run. Other than that, they were a mediocre team. But no, look up and down the roster to a man Uh, Those guys were incredible. And then when you do look at stats like Team OPS plus and ERA plus, if you want to do that, yes, it all stands up. The Rockies deserve to be in that postseason. And uh, here's the other thing that I think is really funny that I hadn't ever really thought of it this way until recently, was that I don't think as many people would believe that this run was a fluke if the Rockies had dropped a game or two in the NLDS and the NLCS that year right think about that because so, so actually what what brought this to my mind was somebody made the mistake of saying and I've seen this before right the Rockies needed to win 21 of 22 games to get into the postseason now if that was true then it would be a little bit like well okay quite a but though I would again argue you can't do that without being very very good still that would mean that they needed one of the most historic stretches in the history of the game just to sneak into the postseason, right? But 14 of 15 is not that. The 21 of 22 is historic and amazing and incredible, but it also includes two sweeps. Right? Once they got out of that postseason, actually really really once once they won game 163 against San Diego, right? They didn't need to win every single game anymore. They just did. They just kept doing it. So let's imagine a scenario where the Rockies lose a game in the NLDS to Philadelphia, but still take the series, and then drop a game, maybe two, in the NLCS against Arizona. Heck, that might have extended the schedule so they didn't have the delay. Those suckers might have gone on and won the whole darn thing. But let's put that aside and say they still get swept in the World Series, right? But let's say it's not the overwhelmingly historic-looking number of 21 of 22. You've got the 14 of 15 to end the regular season. They still needed that to get there. But then after that, they just sort of go through the postseason in a more regular way. Do you still think people—and I really have no way of knowing this. I don't have an answer to this question. I just suspect it would be a harder case to make. Right, which is counterintuitive to me because once they got to the postseason, they dominated those two teams. Like, that's some of the best proof to me that what they were doing, you know, people go, Well, they got hot. Like, yeah, they were playing really, really well. They were a really good baseball team, playing really, really well. That's what you have to do to win against teams of that caliber at that level. But I do think there's a certain weird kind of irony that had they dropped a couple of games in the postseason, I think in some people's minds that would have made them look a little bit more legitimate because then you couldn't just argue they were hot. I guess that's what I'm saying, right? If the hot streak had been broken at some point during the postseason, but they still bounce back and win some games and and win those series. So so that's kind of a weird irony, right? It, It almost would have been better for the reputation of that team if they'd have lost a couple more times because it wouldn't have looked quite as magical. But when you look inside the numbers... When you really study that team, they really were that good. They really did belong there. Uh, in a lot of ways, they were actually measurably, and in, in fact, their their pitching staff was ranked ranked quite a bit better than the Boston Red Sox pitching staff that year. The Red Sox offense had them comfortably beat. Um, And obviously, in terms of experience and all of that stuff, they had a lot of guys who had been there before, the Boston Red Sox. A lot of those same guys had just won the World Series and broken a huge curse in 2004, right, just three years earlier, where obviously that was and still is the only Rockies appearance in the World Series. But yeah, I'll just conclude again by saying... I think it's very likely that this Denver Nuggets team is quite a bit more foundationally strong than the 2007 Rockies. Though again, it is a misnomer to say that just came out of nowhere and then disappeared and went, right? Now, 08, they had a bad year and it was filled with injuries, by the way. But in 2009, the Rockies were right back with their best regular season ever and got pretty well hosed in that series against the Phillies, another conversation for another time. And then 2010, they were right on the path to being back there. And by the way, 2010 totally falls apart with an epic collapse in the last two or three three weeks and you know what nobody calls that unlucky so if you lose the last 14 of 15 games people say you collapsed because you were bad if you win the last 14 of 15 games and remember who the rockies played in the last 14 of those 15 games, they were playing the teams in front of them. They weren't knocking off the Reds or the the Mariners at that time or some lower level. They were literally beating the National League division rivals, the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Diamondbacks who were right in front of them. Those were the teams they were beating. The other best teams in the National League. So yes, I do hope that... Uh, This big, long delay doesn't impact the Denver Nuggets the way I believe that a big, long delay in 2007 did impact the Colorado Rockies. And you might be saying, well, it it shouldn't have if they were as good a team as you're saying. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's entirely true. Uh, But, you know, that's why they play the games out there, right? At the end of the day, and this was the funniest thing uh, about these arguments to me, There, there was a person who, you know, trying to prove uh, the Rockies before the run. And when I was saying, you know, they had caught some bad breaks early on. And at one point that person said, you know, you are what your record says you are. And then I said, well, okay, then we're in agreement. If you are what your record says you are, especially over the course of 162 games. And the Rockies were the best team in the National League in 2007. You know how I know so? Because the record says they were. It was a bummer what happened to them, and go Nuggets. Both teams are awesome. Both teams should be celebrated. You don't have to put down one to build up the other. I hope some of you enjoyed that stroll down memory lane. Like I said, I'll probably write up some of those statistics again just because this did come back up and it got me thinking about it. And it, it, that team deserves to be remembered better than what I saw over the last couple of days on my timeline. So I'm going to throw down a couple of statistics out there so that people will know just exactly what's going on there. So thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you'll continue to be absolutely awesome, awesome, awesome out there. I'll keep being absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ball.